welcome once again to worship at Marin Covenant Church. Uh, if you have been with us recently, or, or if you haven't been with us, rather, um, for a while, or if uh, you just uh, missed a few weeks, we are right in the middle of a sermon series that's based upon our church's mission statement. And do we not have the best mission statement of any church I've ever heard before? To engage with the spiritually hungry toward a life in Christ that's inspired, intelligent, and involved. And when I go to conferences or when I have ministry conversations with other uh, folks in ministry, and I tell them our mission statement, they're like, that might be the best mission statement I've ever heard for a church. And I agree. I wish I could take some credit in the, the, the formation of those words, but man, it's just so clear on who we feel as Marine Covenant Church that we're called to be both as a church community, but also as in our individual discipleship. And we've been looking at these three characteristics, inspired, intelligent, and involved, um, and really digging into what that, what that means. And in the last several weeks, we've been in the inspired uh, quadrant there. And this inspired thing is all about those very crucial aspects of being a Jesus follower that we just can't live without, like really basic things like, do we want to know God? Well, we got to get close to God, right? We need to remain connected to the vine. Or uh, as Jesus followers, we are going to be consciously dependent upon the Holy Spirit for everything. Our, our life of prayer is not just going to be pray and then go about our, our life, but no, we're going to live lives of prayer. All of these kinds of things that are so crucial to our, to our Christian walk. And as Pastor Jeff said, these things are important to our spiritual journey. They're crucial because it's important how we live, right? So that inspired bucket there is all about how we live and how important that is. And now we've moved on to intelligent. Last week, Tana, uh, our guest preacher, she, um, she talked about how if we really want to know our identity in Christ, then we need to have a transformation, a renewing of our mind. And so here in this intelligent bucket, we're going to look at the idea that, yeah, it's important how we live, but even more so, because that's where it starts, it's important how we think, because we can't live unless we think it first, right? Um, and so we're going to be looking at how we have our minds transform, transformed by the truth of God's word. And you know what? You might hear us talking a lot around here about partnering with God, like choosing to partner with God in what God wants to accomplish through us and, uh, and how God's inviting us to live. And so in this intelligent bucket here for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at um, God's truth. And if there is a way to be in God's truth, to live in God's truth, then it's going to be up to us to uncover what that truth is. And that's how we're going to partner with God in the intelligent bucket. So are you with me so far? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, recently, my wife and I, we took our youngest daughter to college and dropped her off. If you've ever done like drop-off day at college before, and I see some heads nodding, you know what this is all about. This is our youngest uh, daughter, Katie, in front of Hill Hall. How amazing is that? At Seattle Pacific University, that's her dormitory. And um, so uh, if you know our Katie, man, she is a list maker. She's super organized. And so she knew exactly what she needed or what she felt like she needed for her. I'm like, how much is this going to cost me? Um, all the things that she needed from her, for her room, from like Target, Ikea, and whatnot. So for, we took two days, and we hit, I think, every tar Target in the Puget Sound area. And uh, we... Uh, we got this one thing that she knew that she needed was this rolling cart from Ikea. And so here you can see it's now fully assembled. Um, it's right next to her I Love Lucy uh, retro fridge. And this is so Katie, right? Because she's got the top shelf, coffee shelf. Middle shelf, tea shelf, right? And I can't see what's on the bottom one, but she just 
That's so Katie, and she knew that she needed this so that she would feel right at home. So that's great. So we, you know, we come into the, to the room, and we've got just a couple hours to get, get her moved in so that other people can come in. There's all this excitement. Flurry of packaging from Target stuff is happening, and she says, Dad, will you assemble for me this cart that I want for my little coffee station? I'm like, absolutely. Dad would love to do that. It's a great dad job. So I start pulling out all the copious amounts of packaging that this stuff comes with, right? And I've got this big pile of packaging and this little pile of parts over here for the coffee cart. And then and then, but the funny thing was it had the instruction booklet, which, you know, Target or uh, Ikea instructions, they don't have words, they just have the symbols in them. But it was huge, it was like this big. I'm like, and I'm looking at the parts and I'm going, this seems so simple to put together. I don't need these instructions. So I crumpled them up and I threw them in the big trash bag in the middle of the room. And so I'm like, hey, hey now, <laughs> believe in a guy. So I'm fitting these pieces together and you can see from the picture, it's pretty basic. There's like, there's shelves. There's sidebars, there's these brackets, and I'm like, Psh, this is easy. So within like, honestly, three minutes, I had it together, the wheels are on the bottom, it rolls, and I'm like, done. So I start to pick up all the packaging that's all over, and you know, we're filling up this great big bag, and then I noticed on the floor there was this little tiny bag of screws. <laughs> like little teeny tiny screws. So first of all, I didn't have a screwdriver that, that was that small, but I was looking at it, I'm like, it's done. Like it's put together. There's, what else can you do with this thing? Man, they give you extra parts. I don't need these. So I pitched those in the, in the garbage bag as well. So I'm like, Katie, guess what? Your, your coffee cart, it's all done. She's like, oh, I love it. And, uh, <laughs> and right about then I was, I was like, where do you want it? She says, can you put it over by the desk? And I said, sure, I put it by the desk. So I would have rolled it over to the desk, but there was all this stuff on the floor. So I pick it up from the top shelf, and what do you think happens? It all completely fell apart, back into the same pile of unattached pieces that I started out with. Because it turns out that if you're only depending on gravity to hold this thing together, you're fine. But if you ever want to pick it up or move it, or I was imagining Katie like, you know, moving to her next, wherever she's gonna live next, throwing it in the, in the hatchback of her car, it's all gonna fall apart again. And I'm not going to be there to put it together for us. So I felt really bad. And, you know, she was a good sport. She's like, oh, that's fine. I can just roll it. Um, but when she moves, it's going to fall apart again. And the whole thing could have been avoided if I had just trusted that these instructions told me what it was that I needed to know. But I, as the Bible says, I leaned on my own understanding and the results were, uh, were not so great. So, but you know what? In retrospect, I don't, the problem isn't that I don't know how to put together stuff from Ikea. I could do that all day and be a boss at it. I think the problem actually began with my thinking that I knew better than the truth that was conveyed to me clearly with international symbols in this massive instruction booklet that I had crumbled up and thrown away and completely ignored. You guys, please tell me I'm not the only person that lives life like this, right? Just nod your heads and we'll move on. Rudy's raising his hand. He so identifies with this. Thank you for backing me up. But wouldn't it be great if we did this only with like little things like a cart from Ikea? But no, we, we do this with all the big stuff, don't we? We do this with all the biggies, our relationships, our careers, like the, all the big things we often are... Uh, Leaning on our own understanding, we're like, man, I've got this figured out. And we don't consult God's word and God's truth in God's word uh, to, uh, 
you know, to, to, to lead us and to guide us. And then after a while, we kind of look up one day and we're like, man, how did I get in this situation? Right? How did I end up over here when I could have consulted what the Lord has to say about this? And man, we do this as we, as we follow Jesus. We, we know that we, God's word is a gift to us, but we just kind of go through life doing our own thing. Do we not? But unlike an instruction booklet, like that thing from Ikea, that was the instructions, right? But unlike that, God's word is way more than an instruction booklet. It's more than just a manual for showing us how to live also. It's how we, it's how God's children can begin to not only live rightly, but begin to, as we say, think biblically. So we can think biblically and know and understand the heart and the wisdom of our God and actually know not just the things of God, not just biblical knowledge so that, you know, we're good Bible students. No, it's so that we can know the person of God. That is what God's word is all for. That is what God's truth is all about. And so in these next few weeks of this intelligent sector of our mission statement, we're going to be um, looking at what the word calls the mind of Christ. If, if there is know the mind of Christ, there's a way for us to know the mind and the heart of our Lord, then how do we, how do we get that? Last week, um, if you didn't see Tana's sermon, you should go back and watch it. Tana, uh, you know, she preached on how our identity as, as Jesus followers, it can't be fully realized, realized unless we renew our mind if we let God transform our mind. And so this week we're going to be looking what it means to acquire and develop the mind of Christ by uncovering God's truth as revealed to us in God's word. So yeah, truth. Now just to be clear, if you've taken a philosophy course and you know there's like 20 theories of, of what truth is, something like that. I remember taking a philosophy course. I can't remember what all those theories are, but there were all these different theories of just what truth is. And, and it's great. I love that kind of talk and, and uh, conversation. It's really interesting. But philosophical truth, that is not what we're talking about here today, okay? We're talking about God's truth today. And if there is such a thing as God's truth, then how do we uncover that? And to begin with, I want to start off by offering a really, really, uh, uh, some really good news for us about God's truth and what it means for us. And if you have a Bible or a Bible device, you can open that up to 1 John 5, 19 and 20. And this is from John the Evangelist, not to be confused with John the Apostle. In 1 John, he wrote this really encouraging word for us. He said, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true and eternal life. And that's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when we think of truth in our 21st century world, if, I, if we just say, what do you think of when you think of truth? What are, shout out some characteristics of what do you think of when you think of truth? What comes to mind? Jesus. Jesus. Somebody said Jesus last hour. That's what we call a Jesus juke. It's always the right answer. Jesus, right? No, but what does is, what is the, the world think of as truth? I think we think of it as fact, right? Verifiable fact, certifiable fact, and usually it's accompanied by some degree of empirical evidence that we can prove that it's true, and um, it's, it's a completely practical approach to, 
to this idea of truth. And that makes sense because uh, the, the, this Roman idea of veritas, which comes from Latin, hasn't completely influenced what we think of as truth. We think of truth as like, okay, if it's true, it's a fact, boom, done, move on. But you know what I learned this week as I was studying this text? You guys, it's so cool when you get asked to preach and you, you begin to dig into this. You're like, I had no idea. But guess what? When we read the, weird, the word truth in our Bibles, so I'm going to start with the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament Hebrew Bible, when we read truth, it has a much deeper, much richer meaning than just verifiable fact. When we read truth in the Old Testament, uh, we see this word emet. And uh, I asked Mark Kasulin, who is our resident Greek student at the, at the time, uh, to draw this up for us. So prop for Mark for um, doing some handwritten Hebrew here. So this is emet. And what emet is, is it's, a, it's more than a truth that is factual. Emet denotes a reality that is firm or certain because, because is really important. It's firm or certain because it reflects a divine reality. It reflects the divine reality. It's the idea that God is measuring all things according to God's own self. So God's like, I'll tell you what's true. I'm going to compare it to me, and then you'll know that it's true. Right? It's God's reality. And so, uh, you know, when we look at this idea of truth, it's not a truth that relies on our affirmation that it's a verifiable fact. That's not what truth in the Old Testament is talking about. It's a truth that's firm or certain because God measures it against himself. And all of that was really deep and awesome. Then check this out. I moved on to New Testament, which of course is in Greek. And, um, you know, in the second and first centuries BC, so like 200 years leading up to the birth of Jesus, the Greco-Roman world had, had come down into Israel, and so, and the people were, by and large, were, were Greek, and so they wanted to translate the Old Testament Hebrew Bible into Greek, so they, they translate that into Koine Greek, that becomes what's called the Septuagint, but when, and this is really important, when the Greek uh, translators look at that word emet, they're like, well, what are we going to use for emet? And the word that they use in the Greek uh, in the Greek translation, is aletheia. Aletheia. And this was so important for our New Testament authors because, of course, the New Testament was all written in Greek by Greco-Roman people. And um, uh, the reason this is important is if you were a Greek from the Greco-Roman world, you would have heard the word aletheia and you knew exactly what that was all about because aletheia was a god from Greek mythology, and it was, it was a, uh, a goddess, female goddess, and this female goddess, Aletheia, was all about disclosing divine realities that had been concealed. And so this became, idea became synonymous with the word truth, right? In fact, the, uh, the, the goddess Aletheia, portrayed as like a statue or whatever, was always portrayed as nude because she really wanted to uncover that which had formerly been covered. So when they, New Testament authors come along and, and when they say that something is true, when they say that something is true, when that text that we just read, when John the Evangelist in 1 John 5 said that the uh, that, uh, what was it, that we, the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. What he's getting at is how this God had once been concealed and now has been uncovered for us. Isn't that awesome? So that we can know that God is emet, that God is, uh, is uh, certain and firm and so that we can be in him who is true, who is aletheia, by being in 
Christ Jesus. And this is why, you know, as disciples of Jesus, we don't just say, I believe that Jesus is, is real. We just sung this, this wonderful new song about our belief and proclaiming what we believe. But when we say that we believe in Jesus, we're not just saying that we believe that he exists or that he is God, but rather we're saying that we believe in, that in knowing the person of Christ, we are in him who is true. We are inside of this divine truth that was at one point concealed and is now aletheia truth that has been uncovered for us. I mean, come on. That's pretty amazing, right? God's truth, I was like, wow, God's truth is a, is a, a hiding place for us. We can be in Christ Jesus and in being in him who is true, we are, we are in God's truth. Guys, this is why, as Jesus followers, we're always talking about the Bible. Do you have people in your lives that are like, why are you guys always talking about the Bible? <laughs> I had a guy in a choir that I belonged to. He was like, people are just always talking about the Bible. It's all over their social media. They're quoting it at me. Why? How many Bible studies do you need to be in? Like, what kind of a weird cult are you in? I'm like, well, this is why we talk about the Bible, because as a Jesus follower, uh, you know, um, this is going to be crucial that we become theological studiers of God's word as revealed to us in the Bible. It's why we need to be continually growing and maturing in our understanding. That's why we have intelligent as, as it's the second one, right? Um, we need to engage our minds around what is, what is true. And some, you may have known folks that are like, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not too interested in theology. Well, we wish them well, but man, if God has something to communicate to us and if it's in God's word for us and if that, that truth is being revealed for us, then we think that we should be getting after that. And that's what we, when we talk about thinking biblically, this idea of thinking biblically, it's what we're getting after um, so that we can live in God's truth, in God's emet, and so that not only uh, what seems right to us uh, will dictate our lives, but that God's truth will guide us. And so right now you're probably thinking, oh, I get it. This is another sermon where our pastoral team tells us that we need to be intentional about reading the Bible. Yes, that is exactly what, what this is. Sorry, not sorry. But you get the, like, I hope, I hope that we're getting the, the, uh, the reason why this is such a benefit to us. It's not a shame-related thing. This is, uh, you know, our God loves us. Our God loves us. And that's why we read our Bibles. Because God loves his children and wants to guide us and wants us to know his truth. Our God is really great at relationships, right? That's like the hardest thing that we do as humans. But God is great at relationships and is a great communicator and has made it possible for us to be able to, uh, to know his word and, um, and uh, you know, to know what his word says about himself and about ourselves and the world. God didn't leave us in the dark, but has given us his word, and has guided it and protected God's word for centuries, for millennia. Like when you look back at the, you know, the, the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls and all these different um, ways that we can look back and say, well, God's word has been protected. It becomes very clear that God has, has made it possible for us to, uh, as 2 Timothy 2.15 says, to correctly handle God's word of truth. And I think, sidebar, this is like my little soapbox, do you realize that there's never been a better time in the history of the world to know God's word and God's truth than right now? If you, centuries ago, or even millennia ago, the idea of having your own 
like your own Bible or your own copy of the Bible in your own language um, to be able to study God's word on your own. That was, that never happened. You had to go to mass and hear, you know, hear the mass. That was usually in Latin, by the way, so I hope you speak really good Latin. Um, uh, it, but now we, we have the Bible. Not only do we have the Bible, we have access to a billion, literally billions of uh, really great sermons, really great teaching, right? The list goes on and on. So there's an onus that's on us, I think, to be correct handlers of God's truth and to not squander what, what God has given us and provided for us. So why does God want us to know the truth about himself? Um, man, we love this verse, John 8, 32. Uh, and I'm going to back up and I'm going to look at John 8, 31 as well. But Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? We love that verse, especially the second part. Oh, the truth will set you free. But Jesus said right before that, what? If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Set you free from what? Let's list off some of the things that God's truth is going to set us free from. Um, free from our free from our self-destructive habits, right? Our sinful ways of living that, that tear us down, that tear down the people around us that we love, right? So free from our sin, free from separate, knowing that we're separate from God. And I'm sure many of us in this room could say, man, there was a time where I was so alone, so desperate, and so separate from God, right? So God wants to free us from our separation from God. And then... Uh, God wants to free us from the toxic ideas that the enemy is constantly feeding into our, into our minds. That might even be the, the number one, um, right? That's what we face daily is these really uh, unhelpful ideas that come from our own minds, that come from our fears and our insecurities. These are the things that every person is wanting to be freed from in life, whether they are aware of it or not. And again, you know, looking at the first half of that, verse 31, John 8, 31, Jesus said that we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. And this also teaches us how we can be true disciples of his if we hold to his teaching. Only then will we find freedom. God's truth is a trustworthy and certain foundation upon which we can stand when life gets frightening or really confusing. And man, life is really frightening and confusing right now. Would you not agree? Yes. yes. God's truth is a reliable foundation when the world is shaking. Uh, many years ago, I attended a conference and I heard um, Pastor Tony Evans, which is a very, very famous uh, uh, preacher, and he told this story about a crack that had developed in the wall of his newly built home. And uh, so what he, there was a crack, it was by his entryway, and so he calls his drywall guy, and he's like, hey, I need you to come out and look at this crack in my wall. The drywall guy comes out to look at the crack, and he says, I'm here to, to see your drywall problem. So he takes him into the house, and he points up at the crack, and he says, there's my drywall problem. And the guy, he said the guy just kind of stood and looked at it for a second, and then he said, I don't see a problem with a, with a crack in your drywall. <laughs> he's like, he said, I looked at the guy, and I looked at the wall, and I looked back at the guy, and I said, bro, do you not see that crack in my wall? And he's like, no, I, I see it. I see the crack in your wall. And he's, you know, Pastor Tony's starting to get upset, and he's like, how can you say that 
how can you see this crack and say there's not a problem with the crack in my wall? And he says, well, I see the crack in your wall, but there's not a problem with the crack. Your problem is not the crack in your wall. The problem is your unlevel foundation. You built a wall on top of an unlevel foundation, and until that foundation is addressed, I'm not going to be able to fix the crack. I can fix it temporarily, but it's going to keep coming back. It's going to keep coming back, but until you address your foundation problem, you're going to have the same problem. And is this not it? Is this not how life works out for us when we do things in our own strength, in our own understanding? We build all the major aspects of our lives, our relationships, our work, the list goes on. We build them on top of faulty foundations. And then when a crack in the wall develops, what do we do? We point to the crack and say, that's the problem. That's, that's just the symptom, right? But God's foundation is sure and true. So we need to dress our foundation. So again, I mentioned earlier, this is not really a groundbreaking sermon. We are called to be people of the word. I know that we all know that. But we really want the mind of Christ. Our mission statement for Marine Covenant Church uh, communicates that. We want to know the mind of Christ and we want to be, as our mission statement says, uh, moving toward a life in Christ that is intelligent. And as we respond in worship today, maybe this is a good time to uh, do some evaluation uh, of where we're at with being people of God's truth. And I say this um, not as a point of, you know, uh, bringing up shame for us because we should be spending more time in the word uh, or that kind of thing. But when we read scripture, let's evaluate why we do that. Why do we read the Bible? Are we getting after the fact that it is God's truth that is for us, that our God who loves us has provided for us so that we can have this firm, uh, certain, emet foundation of God's truth, God's aletheia truth that was formerly covered up and has now been uncovered for us. Maybe it was respond and worship. This might be a good time to just, you know, rededicate ourselves to being people of God's word. And, and as uh, Pastor Jeff and Ben always say, find a time, find a place, choose a, a study, or just open your Bible and start reading. Just finding time to get in God's word because and I'm going to bring this down into more of a heart space for a second as we move into worship. Why does God want us to know what's true? Why does God want us to know what God's firm foundation true is? The reason is because our God loves us. Our God loves us and wants us to know what's right and godly because God wants us to be free. In John 8:32 it said Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you will really be my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So Marine Covenant Church, as we stand together and worship, may we be a church that's engaged towards a life in Christ that is intelligent, choosing to partner with God in getting after uh, God's emet, God's aletheia, that our loving God has uncovered for our benefit because God loves us. Amen? Let's stand together and worship. <laughs>